Welcome to the Honest EP podcast. <laughs> We're the podcast for health professionals and the wider community looking to explore diverse ideas in health, ask some hard questions, and have some honest conversations. My name is Archie. I'm an EP based on Sydney's All in Beaches. And joining me as always is Allied Health business owner, Andrew. Andrew, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Very well. I'm ready to crack a beer. Yeah. Ooh. What are we drinking? We are drinking uh, what I just ran up the road to grab and I saw it. And I was like, oh, I've been meaning to try this beer for a long time. Uh, It's the Bent Spoke Crankshaft, Cranking IPA. So it's a Canberra beer. Um, And it's actually quite well known. I just have never tried it before. Mm. Have you heard of uh, the Gabs or the Gabs Festival? No, I have not. Tell me about the Gabs Festival. So you know what the Hottest 100 is, like Triple J Hottest 100? Mm -hmm. It's that, but for... Australian craft beers. Ah, so very good. There's and there's two parts to it. There's a, a beer festival part of it, where um, people are invited to like a conference center kind of thing, like a NDIS Disability Expo kind of thing, but for craft beer. And there's stalls and stuff from all the different breweries that are invited, and you get to like try little, uh, little tiny uh, schooners or like things little tiny sips of things and try all these different beers and they talk to you about their process and mm. why they're a cool crafty beer and that kind of thing and the other part is they have like a yearly voting thing where you pick your top five favourite beers uh, like craft beers in Australia and then you vote for them and then they spurt out a list of the top 100 beers how good and then for like the next couple months those beers are like incredibly hard to find and get incredibly popular so, uh, this year, Mountain Culture Status Quo won. Mm-hmm. We've had that before. Yeah. It's very good, I think. That's in Blue Mountains. I think this came second or third. Ooh, it's up there. Um, Bolter XPA was the other top three one. Yeah, big fan. They're kind of a regular top mm. three one. People like them. Mm. Um, but this one's also been a regular up there as well. Mm. Yeah, I like it. It's good. It's strong. It 1.7 is standard drinks for a little can. <laughs> yes. What's that? 5.8%. Um, but as IPAs go, which I can't say I'm normally an IPA drinker, this one's quite nice. Mm. I think I could drink this regularly. Mm. It was $22 for four pack. So that's where... <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's where it no. kind of gets you. Yeah. Um... But I guess you have four of these compared to six of a 1.2 sound drink and it probably even out in terms of alcohol content. <laughs> it's the best way to work it out, isn't mm. it? Mm. Just total alcohol content. Very good. Very good. So we went to the ESSA conference. Yes, we did. We went to the ESSA. Uh, forum. The business. Forum. Is it a business forum or just a forum? It's... Uh, we've got up on your screen. It's on the screen. We should check out the computer screen. Innovation and practice forum. There cool. we go. So that's a. It happens once every two years, mm. and on the off year, they do the SR research to practice forum. So that one's more of like a, a researchy, uh, uh, PhD uh, people talking about their their projects, their and, projects, yeah. and that kind of stuff, and yeah. and then they try and have a couple things where they talk about how that relates to clinical practice and that sort of thing. So it's more on the research and clinical side of things. How would you describe this this one? Well, this this forum came from the business forum. So prior to COVID, ESSA had a business forum, which Mm. was the alternate Mm. year to the the practice forum. Um, And I think the, the iteration of where it is now is a reflection of like a business forum is obviously very geared towards private practice and mm. exercise physiology but obviously within ESSA there is also sports scientists mm. and exercise scientists mm. so in an attempt to still speak to you know private practice and business owners um, they created an innovation forum which is supposed to reflect the fact that we, we do have these three different streams mm. and um, use it as more of an opportunity to, I suppose, network, mm. but then to um, get a bit of an understanding about what other people are doing mm. in more 
uh, client-facing mm. roles rather than in research sort of roles. Right. And have you been to the business forums in the past? Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, Similar setup or different? So the the forum this year, there were three different streams, yep. right? So there were three different presentations going on all weekend and you can kind of pick and choose. Mm. Previously, there was one. Mm, and so okay. when you when you enrolled to go, like you spoke, you listened to one person, and that was yeah. the only option you had. And generally, most of those things were centered around what would happen in a business. Mm, okay. Um, so there's a bit more breadth mm. to this year's version. A bit more choice and control. Another <laughs> bit of choice and control. <laughs> Not too much choice though. No. Um, and certainly. Um, you know where where these things tend to fall apart sometimes is when you end up scraping the bottom of the barrel and just pulling in people that perhaps like you're there to maybe fill a spot yeah not necessarily to add more value yeah for sure um, which is the challenge you definitely and we're we're, we're not a huge uh, we're not a huge uh, professional body so to have, you know, what, what's that? Nine, nine different presentations plus a keynote uh, on one day and then the same on the next day that's all relevant. Uh, it's pretty difficult, I'd say. It is. To find that many relevant, interesting topics or, or speakers to, to speak mm. about certain topics. There's mm. plenty of topics out there. Mm. Uh, but to find enough kind of good presenters in your field it's yeah. a challenge. It's a challenge. Yeah. Especially going from you know, three on a day to, to nine. Mm. Big jump. Yeah, big jump. And I think this year there was around 350 people that went along mm. to the conference, which is, you know, I think um, a pretty good number. Yeah. Uh, as we are, um, like you said, you know, we are a small mm. organisation that is across Australia and, and to get a lot of people in a room is just logistically yeah. a tough thing to do. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there was, like across those three different streams of EPES and AEP, mm. that there was a pretty fair distribution of content for those for things. For sure, for sure. Um, so in terms of like what they did well, yeah. um, it definitely hit all of those different groups. Yeah. One couldn't really say that they were excluded. No, for sure. From this. Yeah. Um, what would you say, oh, it's hard to know, but just based on who we spoke to, who do you think was the main audience or the main people who were going to this conference? Well, the exercise physiologists, hmm. as opposed to sports scientists or yeah. um, ESs, hmm. um, it was... And I mean, just in the name, right? Innovation and Practice Forum. Yeah. Like, it kind of speaks more to an EP crowd. Yeah, it does. Than the others. For sure, for sure. And then more of a private practice kind of crowd as well. Mm. I'd say pretty much everyone that I talked to was either an owner of a private practice or in some kind of senior role of a private practice uh, either working uh, within private clients or one of the schemes mm. that EPs often see. I don't think I saw any excise sports scientists there that had bought a ticket to the event. Mm. So it's mostly private practice EPs. Yeah. Yeah. And those who are interested in more of the business side of it as well. Yeah. Less so than the clinical side. So what did you enjoy about it? I had no idea to expect, right? That's this is my first time going to any uh, any conference, any big ESSA type conference. I've been to small seminars and networking events in Sydney, but not like a full uh, nationwide scale thing. I enjoyed meeting other EPs, which outside of my own little discussion groups and uh, mentoring and uni groups, I haven't really done much of that. I haven't talked to other EPs outside of Sydney with other experiences and other businesses and other challenges. Uh, so I found more of the networking side and doing the networking, not in like a, a formal setting, but like over a beer at the bar in the resort. Uh, kind of fun. 
mm. interesting uh, to, to listen to people's experiences and just talk about uh, what they do and where they are in their EP journey mm. uh, and hear how to diverse crowd and diverse kind of business uh, or job we work in. So I found that really, really good. And then there were a couple talks that I went to that I, I did get a bit out of. Um, I wouldn't say that every talk I went to I, I loved, <laughs> which I guess is it's unreasonable to think that I've enjoyed every single one that I went to. Uh, but there were a couple that I was like, okay, that was interesting. I can take a bit from that. I can take mm. a bit from that. The, the two main ones that stand out to me that I was like, oh, they were quite interesting. Uh, the first one was from a, um, a lady who owns a, or she's a director of a HR company called Strawberry Seed, Carly Saw. And she talked about uh, leadership and uh, probably less so of the, the practical side of leadership and more of the, the conceptual side of leadership and what people gen, uh, generally look for in leaders and what personality traits they generally have. Uh, and then talking about what people are appropriate for different kind of roles uh, and personality styles and that kind of stuff. I found her really, really interesting. Her mm. presentation really, really interesting. She's a good speaker. Um, so that was number one. And then number two for me, uh, without tooting any horns, was probably your presentation. <laughs> Fuck. I can't say that. I can. Well, you don't have to talk about it. I'll just talk about it for you. So, Mr. Andrew Daubney, uh, uh, owner, clinic owner and, and, and business mentor, uh, did a talk on raising the bar on client experience which was a very, very interesting talk. And I think it was relevant to a lot of people and that was obvious based off the amount of people that were in the room. So I think you ended up having, I didn't count at all, but I reckon there were about 100 people in the room, which was a great turnout seeing that some of the talks had like four or 10 people in them, uh, yeah. which oh, you wouldn't have wanted to be one of those ones. Yeah, I, I don't know about you when I'm speaking, but I would rather speak to a full room. Mm. I would rather speak to 300 people than three. Like, Absolutely. That's, yeah, horrifying. Absolutely, yeah. Then you don't have to worry about individual opinions. Mm. And it's like, well, there'll be at least someone in this crowd <laughs> that is vibing with what I'm saying. So that's good as well. Well, that's it, right? Yeah. And, and I think we were chatting about this um, in terms of how to prepare and, and yeah. um, like... Um, because we're, we're presenting for like 90 minutes at yeah, these conferences and, and there's, a, there's a long time. And so part of that and part of keeping your energy mm. up throughout that whole time mm. is finding people, faces in the crowd that are engaged, yeah. like five faces in the crowd that are like engaged with what you're doing. Mm. And then you just speak to those five people. Yeah. And then the rest is just blurry stuff exactly whereas if you've got three people kind of scattered through who are sort of <laughs> nodding off or like head down in their phone it's really hard to keep that that energy and that engagement yeah. up yeah you've got to find your choir and you've got to like preach to your choir right mm. yeah and Absolutely. find people that are nodding and doing things and go yes positive reinforcement <laughs> because what you're saying is not going to change once you're up there mm. so you might as well just stick with it and find someone who's enjoying it yeah. yeah, and then that'll probably rub off on the other people who, uh, whether they show it with their body language or not, are most likely interesting, uh, uh, interested and listening if they're in the room because there's nothing stopping people from leaving the room at this place. Like there's a nice resort in Noosa out there that they can go and enjoy the sunshine, uh, but they're choose choosing to sit in the dark room and listen to you. So definitely mm. a good tip on prep maybe we get to prep a little bit later for a presentation <laughs> we'll, we'll come back yeah to absolutely yeah, yeah. alright <laughs> podcast yeah. take there it we go. second half of the podcast talking about prepping for a presentation <laughs> um, but yes you talked about raise the bar on client experience and I found that quite interesting because you were basically talking about what we do here on a daily basis with uh, well what we try and do with all of our clients who come in here um, it seemed like a lot of this was new information for people and it was actually going to ideally raise the bar of what EPs provide across the board as a profession, which I think is really, really valuable because we're in a very, very small uh, profession where we should really be looking to uh, improve the quality of everyone's service, not compete with each other and 
keep our secrets to ourselves because there just isn't enough awareness of EP in general. So if we can all be providing a better service, then that's better for the profession as a whole, therefore better for the individual practices and stuff. So I think that was a really, really interesting talk. And that was also reflected by the amount of questions that you had afterwards. I think there was about 20 minutes worth of questions and then they had to cut they, they had to cut it off. It's like, all right, we've got to go to lunch. Shut up. Stop talking. We've got to go to lunch. Um, so I think those are my two main uh, interesting talks from the weekend. Leadership nice. and then the Razor Bar and Client Experience Fund. What about you? Nice. Uh, I listened to Joel from Clinico. Hmm. Joel um, is just what, what he's done. Like, obviously, he is not an allied health professional. Hmm. He's a software developer. Hmm. But the culture that he's created in a, in a remote workforce uh, and some of the... Like, there's definitely some stuff there that's like, oh, that doesn't quite work or translate into an allied health practice. Mm. Like, um, unlimited leave <laughs> right now. That would be great yeah. if you could offer un unlimited leave, but the it, it might be sort of a bridge too far mm. with running a, a service-based business as yeah. opposed to a software business. The client-facing. But it's done with all, all of those things that he spoke about, you know, unlimited leave, um, uh, people choosing when they want to work, yeah. like no set start and finish times, no yeah. managers. No KPIs. No KPIs. Mm. There's things in there that's just like, that's interesting. Like, yeah. how do you make that work? Yeah. And how do you, I suppose more importantly, how do you find people that mm. thrive in that sort of an environment mm. that don't take advantage mm. of it mm. and it's and create like a better company mm. because of it? Mm. So that was incredibly interesting mm. for me. I've heard him speak a couple of times and it's like, I always take things away yeah. from him speaking. The other one was, uh, I listened to Cameron McDonald, mm. who spoke on uh, personalized health, um, who is an EP and a dietitian and a doctor, a PhD in um, EP. Oh, oh, bloody hell. And doctor of EP. Yeah, he did his PhD, I think, in, in exercise and breast cancer. Wow, okay. Just, but... He's one of those people that I could listen to him talk about some classes <laughs> and he's just an amazing presenter. Mm. Like he could talk about anything and yeah. you would feel captivated wow. with what he's talking about. Yeah. And that's, that's cool. Maybe we should get him on this podcast. Yeah. Like what do you, if, if you had to identify like one or two things that he does when he presents that does that, what, what do you notice first? What comes to mind first? You can tell that he's loving it. Mm. He is up there and just... He would rather be there than anywhere else <laughs> in the world. And that is like... You can just feel that yeah. energy. Yeah. It also feels like when he is up there that he is just talking to you. Wow. Like you don't feel like a part of the crowd. Mm. Like he, It feels like he's speaking directly to you. Mm. And again, that's got nothing to do with the content that he's mm. presenting on. It's just the way that he can interact with the crowd. It's just... Did he stand behind the lectern? No. Okay, right. Did he have a lapel or just holding a microphone? Wandering around. Yeah. yeah. Makes a big difference. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, I got... You You made the right decision of, of having a, a mic and yeah, kind of being got, able to move. We got microphones and walked And around. I was stuck behind a lectern. Mm. And I can tell you what, standing still yeah. behind a lectern for 90 minutes was just painful. Like, I just yeah. wanted to move around and yeah. and I was stuck there. Mm. And I was, I was like, holding myself back from, like, yeah. wanting to stretch yeah, exactly. my legs out. Like, yeah. it's just, yeah, not ideal. I feel like it's it's harder to convey emotion or the correct emotion behind a lectern as well. So I can't see half your body. And so all you can do is kind of above chest level arm motions, which then look very either preachy or very direct. Mm. Um, 
which whether that's what you want or not, like it's hard not to do that. Yeah. You're either doing nothing or you're doing that. <laughs> which is difficult. I, I caught myself a couple of times, like there was a microphone sticking out of the lectern <laughs> and I, I caught myself like playing with it, right? I'm like, stop it. Like if I'm giving you a speech, like, stop playing with the, where it inserts into the lectern. But it's like, it's like my body just wanted to move. Yeah. yeah. Like, just, just let me move. I think that's natural, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay, very interesting. What did you think of the... Did you take away anything from the networking side of it? Uh, in terms of just like networking with other EPs? Like, why was that beneficial, do you think? Always. I think you, you spoke on this just before. As business owners, as practitioners working in a business, it can. it's very easy to kind of put the blinkers on and just look at what you are doing. Mm. And I think to, to go to these things and experience what other people mm. are doing and, you know, the type of clients that they're working with, the type of programs that they're running, their, their opportunities for mm. growth, I kind of, to be honest, that's the, the biggest draw card for me mm. for events like this is being able to go and have those conversations mm. with people. Did you feel similar? Yeah. And it was interesting for me. I felt I had a lot of imposter syndrome going on that weekend because there are a lot of business owners, a lot of people who've been or people who've been in the in the profession and the business of healthcare, uh, what felt like a lot longer than I have. Uh, so it was the extrovert in me struggled a little bit because normally if I'm in a room I can go and talk to anyone. Uh, but I found that a little more difficult, uh, more so because I was a little unsure of myself and like my place there to start until I had two beers and then it was fine. <laughs> so, That's the way. So, That's the take. So that was a little, so that made it a little bit easier. And then it was, it was really good. And yeah, I found that it was really beneficial because, um, I did have a chance to talk to other EP business owners, uh, other than yourself. Cause I, which I don't know. i never talked to another uh, EP business owner before so it's very very interesting to hear about their experience and and where they're at and then learn some things from them I definitely learned some things Mm. about the way other people run things and the way other people uh, treat their teams and talk about their teams Uh, yeah Mm. very interesting yeah I, I definitely feel the same way I think there's you know, just, just because we do it one way doesn't mean that everybody should do it that same way. Like there are businesses that are built in, in a very different structure that function incredibly well. And mm. I think, you know, being able to get exposure to that is is great. Mm. Um, you know, some people, some people can be a little cagey, mm. maybe. Mm. Like I wouldn't want to give away secrets for my business or... People, yeah. people might, people might take what I do and and do it do it differently. Mm, mm. Um, and what I've realised in doing these events more and more is that those people are in the minority. Like they're not the majority. They yeah. are they are in the in the minority. Mm. Uh, you turn up and and you're you're able to have like they're sometimes very like deep conversations very quickly yeah because uh, people want to share and they want to mm. share their experiences and mm. what works and mm. what doesn't um and you you don't see that so often like when you're in the no. clinic five days a week and yeah and you don't get that different kind of lens that other people are looking through and you go to these things and it's like hey like what's going well in your business and yeah. where where are you struggling and yeah. what what's next yeah and, and people are very open mm. about that. And it's it's kind of nice for a young profession for people to be so open yeah. about these sort of things. Yeah. Because, again, um, it's an opportunity for us to learn. Mm. Um, where we are in, for people that aren't from Sydney, like we're in the northern beaches of Sydney. Mm. Um, one of the things that came out of this um, forum for me is actually we've we've developed a little networking group, mm. and the business owners are actually business owners that are nearby. Interesting. Um, and it's not out of any 
fear or holding back that we yeah. will go into that conversation yeah. and say like, hey, like what's working well for you and what's working mm. not? And there is like granted, there is a bit of a difference in the type of clients that we work with. Like obviously rebound is quite disability focused. Mm. Another one is uh, sort of a McKenzie focus mm. as a physio. Uh, another one is much more on like a, a, a hip and knee replacement and preparation so for like surgery kind of stuff yeah. and things like that Very private musky yeah mm. and then another one is, is another EP business and it's like being able to I'm meeting up with these guys in a few weeks time to That's talk cool. about like and, and that opportunity is wouldn't have come did that come from this weekend that came from this weekend That's really interesting and it's awesome yeah right mm. and uh, that just sort of goes to show the the intent that people go into mm. these things mm. with it's not like I am going to take all of that knowledge and keep it to myself. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm going to give back something and yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to share my experiences. And yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I was on a table uh, the Saturday night and you were there and then we'd also decide to grab some food with um, a couple other guys. And one was a EP business owner uh, and researcher in Melbourne, Brendan. And then the other one was an EP business owner uh, from Sydney as well, Luke. And I was just sitting there, just kind of watching the three of you talk about your experiences with everyday, or not everyday things, but things that like bigger EP businesses have all dealt with, like rent, leasing a new space, and like dealing with landlords, <laughs> and working out fit outs and mm-hmm. contracts and uh, bringing on team members and this kind of stuff. I was like, this is, you know, and oh, practice managers and you know <laughs> all the admin side of things I was like this is so interesting because so I feel like I'm just looking at like three different alternate reality versions of you <laughs> talking to each other <laughs> I was like this is wild <laughs> and I had nothing to contribute to the conversation I was just sitting there just kind of watching drinking going this is, mm. this is great it's really interesting um, and I don't know where you get like how often you get that at any other thing other than this kind of event and the great thing is that I, I knew of mm. both Brendan and, and Luke before that weekend, but I'd never really sat down and had yeah. a conversation with them. And so to be able to do that over a few years is great. And that's, awesome. that's one of the highlights of yeah. the weekend. Yeah. It's not, not all the, the, the lectures and the seminars. It's, yeah. it's those kind of connections yeah. that you walk away with. Mm. Let's move forward to uh, in two years' time, what, what else would you like to see at this? Or what would you like to see at this that's perhaps different from what it was this year? I think there's an opportunity. I think, you know, in events like this, you obviously skim the surface quite a bit. Um, What I would love to see more is things like, like how do you provide pathways and opportunities for members of your team to stay in EP because mm. we we're kind of in this places as a profession where universities keep pumping out mm. graduates which is great um, but as business owners like we want to keep people in the profession for yeah. as long as we possibly can so potentially like what are the strategies that you can implement mm. to be able to do that mm. as opposed to you know perhaps more of the traditional physiotherapy or chiro model where it's like you go and work for someone for a little while you build a reputation and then you kind of look around and go what's next well mm. I could either stay doing what I'm doing mm. I could go and do research or I can open my own thing mm. and those are still valid options but mm. there's a fourth one and that's being able to grow and, and provide career opportunities for people so that they can get the mm. fulfillment of, of um of their role and how that impacts their life. So I think um, pathways mm. would be a great one. Um, I know in, in your presentation, you spoke about uh, recruitment mm. um, in the context of having a great student program mm. and you know converting those the, the pick of the crop to team members as they transition mm. out of university. Mm. Um, there is a, a huge challenge outside of EP where you know these people are, are snapped up mm. in public health or in 
uh, in large businesses very quickly mm. and recruitment is a huge challenge mm. for people and so like recruitment is not putting a job adult, adult on seek like mm. that's the very very small component to it yeah um, so potentially like what can you do differently to make your clinic stand out so that people want to come and work for you yeah I think that's something that EP will evolve into or it's the challenge that we will face mm. in the future mm. and um, yes yeah, certainly from a private practice versus research mm. like it, that problem doesn't really exist mm. in research it's yeah like, I want to do this thing okay off you go yeah whereas you know we, we want to establish these ways that people can come into our businesses mm. early so that's kind of where I would like to see it go. Like, I think it was it was great, the program that was laid out. But there will be some future challenges that EPs face, and I think we need to kind of shift our focus more mm. towards them. Mm. How about you? Just based off the audience that was there, I feel like we could use more content that is relevant to the people who seem to want to come to this thing um, which was probably less on the, the sports specific side of things uh, and more on what you're saying more of the, the business growth the, the, the EP specific stuff there. Um, there there were some some talks that that probably missed the mark, less so because they were not interesting talks, but more because they weren't really directed at the audience that was in the room. Um, so working out what audience actually wants to come to this and then making it towards them, not trying to uh, appease everyone mm. and go, well, we're Essa and Essa technically has all of these different people who work within it or are registered with us. Therefore, we need to have a little bit of something for every single person who could uh, who could be interested. I don't know if that is necessarily the right way to go about it. Uh, maybe there's another smaller event that is directed towards uh, people who work in smaller niches, uh, like uh, sport exercise science mm. uh, with elite teams or uh, that kind of thing mm. uh, but it didn't feel like what if you did go for that stuff you were probably disappointed because you only had you know a very small amount of the presentations relevant to you mm. and the other stuff would have been completely irrelevant to you uh, so I feel like you're either disappointed that there wasn't enough of uh, EP stuff or you're disappointed because there wasn't enough of uh, the exercise sport stuff mm. so you kind of got to pick your pick your market there um, maybe it's different if 700 people went to this and half of them uh, were interested in that but like I don't think we're big enough to warrant that or not enough people are going to pay however much it was to go to this thing mm. and fly up to Sunshine Coast for two days to to be there for it mm. probably not enough no so yeah that's probably what I'm looking for more mm. Yeah, a little bit more specific, like you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Do we want to use the, the second half of this to talk about how you prepped and, and how I prepped uh, sure. for the presentation? That. Absolutely. Great. So a bit of background. We, uh, we both did talks separately. So Andrew did a 90-minute uh, solo presentation on raising the bar and client experience. And then separate to that, myself and Lauren, our head of Allied Health, uh, did a presentation on uh, student programs and mentoring and how that works for recruitment and retention. What, what's your process leading up to a presentation like this? So I have done Vin Jang's um, public speaking presentation mm. skills. I don't even know what it's called. Communication, probably. Cool. Just look up Vin Communication. Jang. Communication. Vin Jang. He's a magician, um, Australian magician slash keynote speaker keynote speaker yeah so the the way 
that I looked at it was I have 90 minutes. So I'm going to chunk that into three sections. So there will be three topics or three key takeaways that I want people to have for each of those three sections. Uh, and then the, the idea within each of those sort of 20 minute sections is uh, I want to tell a story mm. at the start uh, because stories engage people. Mm. Uh, I want to show a, a practical, like I want to show the solution, right? So this is what I'm going to, um, like this is the key point. Um, and then I want to, I want to provide some social proof on that. So mm. I've just told you this thing and now I'm going to show you how it works. Mm. And then the last minute is we're going to pause and you're going to write down your key action takeaway mm. from this. So it kind of solidifies what you've just learned because you had to write something down. Mm. So they're kind of the, the four, four components mm. of each like 20 minute block. So say that again that. for us. Story. So story. And then like key insight. Mm. Then um, social. social proof. Yeah. And then takeaway. Mm. So I'll, I'll give an example. So um, one of the things that we spoke about was empathy mapping. Empathy mapping. So I'm not going to speak about what empathy mapping is now, but um, the story was about like potentially how, uh, what we think we are doing and what our clients expect of us from an emotional perspective mm. need to be aligned. So that's kind of the, the story that I kind of told the, the, application is well here's what an empathy map looks like mm. so we went through I went through an example of one that we did our retreat mm. uh, last year and then how does that look in person like how does our team actually take that empathy map and put it in when they're working mm. with someone for the first time how do you teach somebody mm. how to do that mm. and then we pause and we write down what our key takeaway is like what are we going to do next week or next month for the content that I just Mm. put together mm. so that was kind of the the process for the three sections of my talk that I spoke about and then I suppose like zooming out a little bit it was like well I need because the the room is going to be a fairly diverse room you're going to have people that are sole traders you're going to have people mm. that are growing businesses and you're going to have people that are in established practices and, mm. and that sort of thing so I kind of needed one chunk mm. for each of those three people. Mm. So for someone who's just starting out in business, for someone that's in a phase of growth, mm. and for someone who has got a, a team and systems and structure mm. underneath it. So like the topics were related to that. Mm. And then at the start, I threw in a story about me and yeah. how that relates to... Dogs. Dogs. My dog, who's a shithead. Um, because apparently that's a good thing to do. Um, you help people build rapport with you, right? Mm. So you tell them a story about yourself. About your shithead dog. Yeah. About your shithead dog who eats your fucking garden. Um, and it's funny because it, all, it was unplanned, but that story came out a couple of different times. Yeah. Like yeah I did. referenced that story yeah. a couple of different times throughout the. It wasn't, wasn't intentional. But you start with a bit of a story about mm. you and, and like how that story relates to the content mm. that you're about to speak about. Mm. So it helps people like get to know you as a person because mm. I, I presume not many of those people knew of me mm. when I got up and started to present. Mm. So I wanted to give them some sort of an insight to me as a person, not just me as a EP, yeah. me as a clinic owner yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So that was kind of my process like mm. I started with these chunks and then different mm. you know different content for different people mm. and then a story mm. about me so then on a more 
uh, micro level of this about leading up to the, or practical level of leading up to the actual event uh, when you are going to present, when are you practicing? And then when is like the last time you look at it? When do you, is the last time you make any modifications? That sort of thing. The... So I, I don't know if there's a right and a wrong way No, but to I, do just, this. I just want to hear your way because I know my way is different. Uh, so I, I started with that, right? So I started mm. with like, what are the three topics that I want to talk yeah. about? And I kind of mind mapped it and all mm. that sort of stuff. Um, I, I wrote the slides mm. and then I practiced it. Mm. And then I basically had to like scrap the whole slides and start again. Mm. And I think I did that a couple of times. Mm. Like I, I mapped out the slides, I like trialed it mm. and then like it wasn't working or mm. it was out of joint or, mm. you know, I should speak about that first and that second. Mm. Um, I'm not someone who will like verbatim write the speech out mm. and then try and remember mm. a speech. I want to look at a slide and just be able to speak to that slide. Yeah. Because I find that's, for me, a lot less stressful mm. than trying to remember a speech. Yeah. Um, so, over the course of kind of rewriting it a couple of times, um, I got familiar with the content. I knew what was working. I knew where some of the, like, 90 minutes is a long time to it talk is. for. Yeah. So I knew where some of the the dips in energy might mm. come and so I needed to like change that content so that yeah. the energy stayed up. Mm. Um, I probably practiced that speech half a dozen times, mm -hmm. maybe. Um, I stopped practicing it mm. about two days before mm. uh, because you're done with it. I'm then. done. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure who it was. Um, it was a golfer. It might have been... Um, South African, Louis Houston. No, older. Uh, Eagle. Uh, no, um, not Ernie Els. Oh, not Ernie Els. Oh, not Ernie Els. Older so. still. What? Um, I'm not aware of any older. South African golfers. Ah, uh, he's older one of the greats. One of the great golfers. Ah, oh, that's gonna kill me. Anyway, some great golfer. Nelson Who's Mandela. Surely, <laughs> uh, Nelson Mandela, <laughs> the golfer. The golfer. <laughs> was had this had this philosophy of like I'm gonna go and practice, <laughs> and as soon as I just blush one, like it's just perfect. Yeah, I done. Oh, I don't need to practice anymore. That one was perfect. I'm going home before I fuck this up. Okay. Oh, it's killing me. Who said that? <laughs> um, but I suppose that's the way that I kind of think about mm. the speech. It's like. Once I get it perfect, it's like, fuck it, I'm done. If I practice this again and again, I'm just going to fuck it up. Yeah, and you're going to change it. And I'm going to change it. And yeah, it's going to okay. be weird. I'm going to be in a different state of mind. And it's, I'm going to make bad decisions. Gary Player. Gary Player. There you that's go. That's the one. There you go. Gary Player. Looked him up. Um, and so that's the way I did. So I, I, two days out, I didn't touch it. I left it alone. Yeah, didn't okay. practice it again. Um, because I knew that I'd done it once and done it perfectly. Mm. And mm. I was happy. How about you? Uh, less organised than that. <laughs> but I, I'd say that that's probably because I've done fewer presentations and haven't fully worked out my preferred way of preparing for it yet and what I know works for me. So it's a little more haphazard in terms of prep. I imagine you've refined this process over a couple presentations yeah so uh, our one you know we, we did the same kind of process so we we mind mapped like brain dumped and then we because I wrote it with Lauren uh, then we made the slides then we uh, talked to the slides and then we brain dumped what we'd like to say about each of the slides and then we we split up the info like slide by slide to who's going to talk about each thing. And then that's where Lauren and I's uh, methods become quite different. Lauren 
kind of rote learned beautiful paragraphs of really, really well-written information and then uh, reads that and reads that and remembers it and remembers it until she can say that without having to think about it and then it will roll off the tongue nicely and that she's said it enough times that she can also change it as well. So, because every time she says it off her memory, it comes out a little bit different. So then she's kind of got three or four different pathways from the same starting point as to how it will go and then it will come back and give off the same points. So that's how Lauren does it and she's very meticulous about her process. She's very, very good at it. Um, my process is a little more open that I just like to dot point things and then I like to know the overall uh, goal or point of my slide and then I just kind of go for it from there mm. and, and trust that I know what I'm talking about in terms of my cues on the slide, uh, whatever the graphic is. I don't like to have too many words on it because then people don't listen to you, they just read the slide uh, and they miss the first 15 seconds of what you're saying if they're too busy reading the slide and they go, oh shit, he's been talking. <laughs> so graphic rather than lots of words, I think is beneficial there. Yeah. Um, and then I'll just kind of talk from my brain and hope that what I say is <laughs> what, I, what I mean. <laughs> um, and that's a very, it's a very me way to do it. That I don't like to rote learn things I like to kind of learn the concepts instead mm. and then speak to that. And then it allows me to be more myself because I'm not having to uh, spend time remembering what's in my brain uh, and like remember the exact words of what I'm supposed to be saying, which then takes away from my body language and my engagement with the audience. Mm. And I can more just kind of flow off what's already in my brain subconsciously. And then I can focus more on the engaging with the people in front of me mm. and then based on people's reactions or whatever's happening on the day I can then change completely what I'm saying uh, because I haven't remembered a script so I can then look at the slides and go oh actually because someone mentioned this earlier uh, let me talk about it in terms of this mm. uh, in terms of your example rather than the example I'd thought of previously I'll just kind of relate this to what you said and then that's more interesting, more engaging for the audience that way. Yep. Uh, so that's my process is rather learn the concepts really, really well mm. about what I want to say and what the point of my slide is mm. and then trust my words come out well. Yeah. Um, I'd love to... I don't think they were filmed. I don't think so. Or recorded, no. which is a pity mm. because that's the process but I actually don't know how it works out mm. as an outcome. You know, you get a couple, oh, thanks for that, good presentation. Uh, but that's about it. Yeah. And people clap and then disappear and you don't never see them again. And you never really get a chance to ask for uh, good feedback from everyone in the room, right? Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to have some more filmed presentations. Mm. Mm. Well, I guess well, that's what podcasting's for, right? Yeah, that's what podcasting's for. <laughs> you can listen that's to that's right all yeah. the time. <laughs> there you go. Very good. How's your beer? Mmm. I've opened a second. Which is a good sign. You bloody got being here? A bit longer? <laughs> I'll just keep talking. You yeah, keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want me to keep the recording on? Um, okay. For people who are... Uh, some final takeaways then. For people who are planning on doing more presentations or planning on doing some presentations... What would be your main tips? I think um, I think one, one of the characteristics of a good leader or a good communicator is your audience receives the message the way that you intend it to receive to be received. So you can shape your you can shape your presentation or your the way that you communicate in a way that people walk out of that presentation with how you intended them mm. to. Um, that's just a, a characteristic of a, of a good communicator. Mm. Um, you learn that through getting feedback. Mm. Right? You learn that through 
how did that land for you? Or what are your key takeaways from what I just said? Or um, what are you going to do now? Like, what are your action points from, mm. from what we just discussed? Um, so I think that's kind of a good way. Like, always seek feedback mm. to your point. You always seek feedback about what you've done. Um, you realise that um, if people are in the audience and they're looking at you with a blank face maybe you need to like step back and reframe or rephrase what you've said because mm. in your head it might not be computing mm. with them um, but but I think also like when you look at TED Talks and, and we mentioned Vin Jang before like they would have practiced those speeches a hundred times mm. well, they not even practiced they would have done them a mm. hundred times yeah so like if you're going to commit to becoming a better public speaker you don't do a speech once you do it a hundred times and, and then you might have some sense of what works and yeah and what doesn't so don't expect to be a great public speaker without doing that work before and Vin Jang's course is a, is a great course yeah to learn that so his very basic uh, tips that he uses for people who are wanting to learn more about how they speak and get some feedback is record yourself on video with your whole body and then he talks about sight sound sync so uh, turn put it on mute and then just watch yourself speak just the body language and write things down about what you're noticing and then take it off mute and turn it face down and just listen to yourself speak what are your takeaways? What are you noticing about your inflections, your filler words, and that sort of thing? And then watch them together and see if it all matches up. See if there's anything that's incongruent between your body language and what you're saying, your volume, your inflections, your pitch, and then take some more takeaways then. The only thing I'd add on top of that is get over not liking the sound of your voice because that's what you sound like. And people always say, oh, that's not what I sound like in real life. It's like, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> the phone and the mic is not lying because when you take a video of someone else and you record their voice, it sounds like them. So if you take a video of yourself or record yourself and that's what you sound like, that's what you sound that's like what? <laughs> to everyone else. So get over it mm. and then start using that as an actual beneficial thing that you can listen to yourself without cringing that that's what your voice sounds like because no one else has got a problem with it no one else is blocking their ears and going oh mm. every time you speak to them in person it's just you <laughs> get over yourself get, get over yourself <laughs> that's the best place to start excellent <laughs> anything else? that's it I think that's a great place to finish that is very good alright see you later everyone goodbye